Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Here we go. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. If you got it, come on, say amen. Here we go. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors, the satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. And the king gave thought to setting this Daniel over the whole realm, only because of one reason, because Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. All right, we'll go back to that in a moment. But for those of you, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, in the New Testament, here's what the Bible says about excellence. Paul writes and says to the church at Corinth, but desire earnestly the best gifts. Listen to what Paul says to the church. He says, church, I want you to desire, to desire the best gifts or earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, Paul says, I will show you a more excellent way. I will show you a more excellent way. I want to talk this morning about an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. Stay with me, please. An excellent spirit. God's proven path to prosperity and promotion. God's proven path. What kind of path? His what? His proven path to prosperity and promotion. I pray by now you are not intimidated by the word prosperity. I hope you don't allow the 80s and the 90s of yesteryear to confuse you or to somehow distract you from the, the, the joy of what God wants. He says, I wish above all things that you would prosper as your soul would prosper. So it's God's will that no matter what industry you're in, no matter what life you're in, no matter what you've got going on, is that you have the best <clears throat> of that life, right? But, 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 but when we look at Daniel, something we see about Daniel he had that we don't really see across the board with other people. An excellent spirit. This morning, I want to continue this series. We started this series a, two, a couple of weeks ago, um, preaching and teaching, focusing on excellence. I don't, and I'm not sure if we've ever did this before. I'm, I'm, I've always, some, I sometimes go back in my archives, and I'm not sure if we've ever given this much time and attention to excellence. But here's what I like about excellence. Every one of you can apply it to your right now lives. No matter your industry, no matter your field, your career, your, your occupation, your, your, your hobbies, no matter what you do right now, if you are a retiree, you're a stay-at-home mom, you, you work in this industry, you serve in that industry, you can apply the spirit of excellence. If, 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 if you're like me in ministry, I want to apply excellence, right? And, 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 and no matter how things look today, it's something that I'm striving toward. Because there's a, there's a chance in this room you're not satisfied with where you're currently at. You may not be satisfied financially. You may not be satisfied with your, your career tract. You may be, it may seem right now as if you're being overlooked and underpaid. It could be that seeming like, it, 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 you know, for whatever reason, the world has forgotten about you. And if you do, you're in good company. I want you to know that you are in good company. Here's what I believe. We're going to find out in a few moments that if you look at the life of Daniel, because he did several things, we see God promoting him. And listen, you can fool the person sitting next to you, but you can't fool me. Everyone in this room wants to be promoted one way or the other. Everybody. Everybody wants to be promoted one way or the other. 
the ultimate promotion is to go to heaven and enjoy the Lord for all of eternity. That's the ultimate promotion, all right? So if I don't get promoted at the bank, if I don't get promoted in my neighborhood, if I don't get promoted in the university, the greatest promotion is well done, thy good and thy faithful servant. Come on into the house of the Lord, amen. So let me just see a show of hands. How many people want promotion, all right? Now, I, don't, I, I believe you want spiritual promotion, okay. But would you agree with me that there's some type of promotion you, you, you'd like to have in your career? You'd like to have as a business owner. You want to have in school. Nobody is on this earth to plateau. And nobody on this earth is here to fail. Are, are you with me? No one is in this game to go backwards. So all that being said, we started this series two weeks ago, Planted for Purpose. I won't go there, but Psalm 84 and Psalm 92. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs even for the courts of the Lord. My heart cries, my flesh cries for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. The psalmist shows us his attitude of excellence regarding the house of God. Two weeks ago, we talked about our attitude toward the house of God. You remember Psalm 92? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. They're going to bear fruit in their old age. They're going to be fresh, and they're going to keep flourishing. Why? Because of their attitude of excellence with the house of God. That was two weeks ago. Last week, we came back with an attitude of excellence toward our giving, towards our worship, towards the Lord. Remember, we looked at Cain and we looked at Abel. You all do remember the message about Cain and Abel. Now, uh, you're, you're intelligent people. You're very forward-thinking people and smart, so I don't have to get too elementary with you. But I do believe that in teaching, we, all, we, we should always strive to keep things as simple and as, as, as plain as possible. So we define attitude, remember now, the excellence or the attitude of excellence. So attitude is one's positioning or one's dispositioning of the mind towards a matter. You hear it all the time. It's not what happens to you in life. It's how you respond. It's how you react, right? Everything happens to all of us in life. But what will be our response? What will be our attitude? What's our positioning, our disposition? So the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so we talked about attitude. How important is attitude? Well, Get a little quiet in here. Let, let, me, let me come down Urban Street. Uh, we all catch an attitude from time to time. We don't like when someone has the attitude with us. But then we remind ourselves, we all can get an attitude from time to time. And so as we go further into 2023, what is your attitude? What is your attitude on the outlook of life right now? What is your attitude as it relates to how you feel about inflation? How you feel about the government? What is your attitude about you right now? Because right now, your attitude, as we've said, will determine your altitude. How you look at a thing, how you think about a thing, will ultimately determine how you are impacted, all right? Now, those things being said, those things being said, I want to give you this understanding real quick. Attitudes were so important in the Old Testament, it carries over to the New Testament. Jesus had a whole lot to say about attitudes. And you're looking at me like, I don't know what I'm talking about, I see. But Jesus had a whole lot to say about attitudes. Would you look at somebody and say, he had a lot to say about attitudes? Okay, how do we know this? Well, he, he has almost a whole chapter designated to attitudes. Uh, mother, it's called Beatitudes. Beatitudes. May I remind you, Matthew chapter 5, real quick, listen closely of how Jesus looks at 
our attitude. He says, uh, after seeing the multitude, he goes up on a mountain. When he was seated, he says to them, he opened his mouth and talked to them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn they shall be comforted. Anybody had to mourn as of lately? Yes, we have. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. People growl, and people come against you, and people say these things, but you got to learn how to have power under meekness. And meekness is not weakness. It's about how you respond to a thing, right? For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it goes on and on and on. What was Jesus saying? It ain't so much what life throws at you is how your attitude is when you respond. Everybody okay so far? And so uh, we talked about this attitude piece, Hebrews 6 and 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you do not be sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now, real quick, before I go to the next subject matter, let me close out again, just for those who were not with us last week. Let me remind you about Cain and Abel. What did we learn last week, real quick? Because, I, you know, as a teacher, I don't know why I would go to the next level of teaching if you didn't graduate from this certain level of teaching, right? I could, I could probably delve into the temptation of always having something new to impress you, but if we're still trying to convolute it with the past teaching, why go and move? So, so let me reiterate and make sure we're on one page. There were two men, Adam, Eve, had two sons. Their first two sons, Cain, Abel. Cain is the oldest, right? He's the older brother. Be careful with that older brother spirit. But Abel, he's a different character. Cain, on one hand, his name means to get. That's why when Eve had the boy, she said, God, I have gotten a son from the Lord. So his name by itself is sort of self-purposing. I'm getting something. And that was his whole attitude. Cain wanted to know what's in it for me. Kind of sounds like the older brother with the prodigal son. When the young son went out and did his dirt and did his stuff, the old brother, the old dad had the ring and the fatty calf, and dad said, hey, man, I can't wait to get our son back. He's come to his senses. He's come to himself. Let's get him back. But old brother, he wouldn't worry about this younger son, or his younger brother. He didn't even call him his brother. He said, this son of yours, who, who does he think he is? He left the house. I've been here all this time. And you know what? That's a message in itself because sometimes we can have that same older brother spirit when backsliders want to come back to church, when people who drift from the truth come back to the truth. It's not often the pastor or the leaders who are accepting is the members who say, now, where was you when we had to do all this moving? Where was you when we had to do all this giving? Where was you? So, so at the end of the day, Cain has his older brother mindset and attitude. What do we know about Cain? He was a farmer. Uh, he gave his worst offering and he gave his last of his offering, which was non-sacrificial, by the way. He thought he was fooling God. He said, I'm going to give something all right, but it won't be the best. It won't be my first. I'll just throw a little something, something at him and, and call it a day. Kind of sound like Aquila, no, not, excuse me, Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, uh-huh. Y'all remember them in the book of Acts when they gave, quote-unquote, to the, to the Lord? And Peter said, nah, wait a minute now. You didn't give like everybody else gave. So all I'm saying is that the spirit of Cain obviously was, was, was transitioned even into the New Testament. But ultimately, Cain not only gave a horrible offering, God took notice of it. And this is why you often hear me say God is no respecter of persons. We know that. But he is a respecter of offerings. He looked at the offering that Cain gave and said, Cain, you could have did better. You gave the worst, the last, the leftovers. You gave something that required no sacrifice. And God, the Bible says, cursed Cain. He cursed him. And not only that, Cain goes out and what does he do? He murders his brother. Can you imagine that? 
It ain't like we were populated with a million people on the earth or eight billion people on earth as we have today. It wasn't but a handful of folk on the earth. It wasn't even, it wasn't even five people at that time on the earth. But the very few we had, he killed his brother. All the while, Abel, what did Abel do to deserve all of this? All he did was what God called him to do. He gave a, of an excellent gift. He gave of the first and the best. He gave of a sacrifice. How do we know this? Well, look what the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, even though Abel is dead, his offering still speaks. He gave an excellent offering. And I think today you got to understand a couple of things about Abel. He was a shepherd. He gave the best. He gave with an attitude of excellence. And that's why you're sitting here today. Because for 28 years, there were deacons, elders, pastors, missionaries, lay people, ushers, greeters, parking attendants, media team, praise team, musicians. And they've always given an excellent. And we went through 9-11. And we've gone through covid and we've gone through transitions, and we've gone through internal stuff, we've gone through external, but we're here today because someone, you stand today on the shoulders of people who gave with an excellent spirit. A couple of quotes that you'll find in your, on the app today. Excellence is not a skill, it's an attitude. We are what we repeatedly do. Now let's get on your job for a moment, okay? Thank you for being patient with me. But let's come down to your job and your career. Excellence is not a skill, it's an attitude. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, quote, I want to quote this anonymous, but excellence is never an accident. It's the result of higher intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, skillful execution, and the vision to see obstacles as opportunities. Excellence is the vision of seeing obstacles as opportunities. It's all how you see a thing. Remember now, attitude is it all how you see a thing. Last, excellence is not a destination. It is a continuous journey that never ends. Can I pause just there for a moment? Can, is that all right with you? Let me pause this for a moment. Let's listen to the music and think about this. Excellence is not a destination. I need you to stay there because we're going to come back to that thought in a moment. Excellence is not a destination. It is a continuous journey that never ends, right? That being said, I believe in the Old Testament, there's one person that encompasses and to me would be the poster child of excellence. In the Old Testament, that would be Daniel. We don't know a lot about Daniel because think about it. Daniel was not this royal king. He wasn't this heroic Davidic type leader. But what do we know about Daniel? Now you all know about Daniel in the lion's den. How many of y'all remember Daniel in the lion's den? Right? Y'all do remember the story about Daniel and And what do we know about that story? It wasn't so much that, that Daniel wasn't tasty, but God caused the lions not to be hungry. You, you hear me? It wasn't that the lions wasn't naturally doing what they called to do. The fact of the matter, when God was in the equation, nothing surprises him and nothing caught him off guard. Now, the world may have been caught off guard, but those men, uh, excuse me, that day, Daniel in the lion's den was, was not afraid because God was in the den with him. May I remind every one of you, God knows exactly how to shut the mouths of lions in your life. May I tell you that? And I know that I don't want to get ghetto on you, but I will say he can not only shut the mouths of lions, he knows how to shut the mouths of liars at the same time. That's a whole nother message, but I just thought I'd drop that on you for a moment. But what we do know about Daniel, he's a young Jewish boy. 
He's in exile. He's in Israel. Or he's, free. he's in exile from Israel. He's in Babylon. The word Babylon means confusion. So he's in a land of confusion. But yet, God speaks to him. We know three things about Daniel. Stay with me. Number one, he's a man of consecration. We know that clearly. He's a man of consecration. I'll go back to that in a moment. Number two, he's a man of commitment, a man of commitment, a man of conviction, and finally, he's a man of courage, right? Now, we, you, you're going to see this in a moment because it's going to sort of crescendo to why we emphasize a 21-day Daniel's fast, right? We're going to talk about that in a moment because, again, he's a man of consecration. We're going to find out what made Daniel an excellent spirit candidate and what makes you perfect candidate for the person of an excellent spirit. Now, uh, <laughs> he becomes an advisor to kings. Uh, is everybody okay so far? I'm doing, I'm doing a wellness check. Everybody okay right now? Here's what we know about Daniel. And here's why I want to come down your row. May I talk to this section for a moment? Daniel was an ordinary man who did extraordinary things. You look so good today. I'm so proud. I'm envious and jealous, but not just yet for me. Uh, uh, yeah. Daniel was an ordinary man who did extraordinary things. That makes me feel good because I'm an ordinary man and I'm striving. I'd like to one day do extraordinary things. There was nothing regal, royal. There was really nothing you know, pedigree special about him. He was an ordinary person who gave himself to extraordinary things. That's, my friends, is what we call excellence. And once again, whether you play the keyboards, the bass, whether you uh, are an entrepreneur, a school teacher, truck driver, preacher, no matter what you do, you can always apply the spirit of excellence. Let me show you how he did it, and I want to help you out as well today. All right? The Bible says in 6 and 3, this Daniel, number one, distinguished. There's two words we're going to look at here. He distinguished himself. He distinguished himself above all of the others, governors and satraps and the like, and an excellent spirit was in him. Now, because of that, the king, the Bible says, gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. I want to read that one more time out of this certain, uh, a little bit more of a modern version. It's called the goodwill or the good word version. Listen closely. It says this. This man, Daniel, distinguished himself among the other officials because there was an extraordinary spirit in him. And the king thought about putting him in charge of the whole kingdom. May I pause for a moment and remind every one of you. If you'll give yourselves to an excellent spirit, God will begin to put you in the hearts of people over you. And while you're in church, they're in a boardroom somewhere. While you're on the floor working in your company, they're somewhere in some executive meeting on a golf course, and your name keeps coming up. You may be a business owner, and right now it seems like, my God, you're more in the red than you are in the black. But if you'll understand the spirit of excellence, God will begin to put your, drop your name in certain hats and he, you will find certain emails coming that you didn't expect. You probably got one in the junk file right now. I don't even know it's already sitting there waiting on you. God knows exactly how to line people up and send them your way. Why? Not because you're some big shot caller. 
not because you come from some pedigree or background, not because you come from some certain name or fraternity or sorority or you, you, you got some certain degree hanging on your wall. All that's great and all, but the reality is you've given yourselves to an excellent spirit. Now, I hope this doesn't sound intimidating, and if it does, good, because there's something I'm going to say in a moment that's going to let the cat, uh, it's going to get the, the chip off the shoulder for everybody, all right? Stay with me for a few more minutes, right? So when we say an excellent spirit, wasn't the first time we'd heard this about Daniel? Just write down 5, 12, Daniel 5 and 12. Listen closely. In so much as an excellent spirit was upon Daniel, knowledge, understanding, interpreting of dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, so much so to whom the king now let Daniel be called, and he gave him interpretation. So let me just take sort of a spiritual church uh, conversation here. So if it came to the spirit realm, Daniel had such an anointing on his life, it translated to spiritual gifts. Not only did he speak in tongues, but he could interpret tongues. He had the gift of interpretations of riddles. So he had the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. He was operating in a discernment. So if Daniel would have been living in today's time in a New Testament church, he would have captured a lot of what Paul calls the gifts of the spirit. So when it came time for what the king should do, can you imagine if he'd have been living today? I mean, listen to me closely. I, I, oh, gosh, I wish I had time. I, I, I won't, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I won't even do that. I won't even do it. I won't even do it. I won't even do it. But can you imagine if Daniel would have been living today? Because the Bible says that the king would often call upon Daniel and say, can you help me with this world crisis? How do we handle Israel and Palestine? How do we handle Ukraine and Russia? What do we do with North Korea? And the king will find himself in the White House trying to figure out the issues of the world and the, 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 the Department of State and the Secretary of State, the Vice President, Kamala Harris. They would all come and say, you know, there's a prophet in the land by the name of Daniel who God speaks to. Go call that little boy and he'll talk to us about what God is doing in the earth. See, that's the type of influence and that's the type of spirit of excellence. You know, they tell me that good cream rises to the top. And I believe that when you understand the spirit of excellence, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what you got going on, God will always cause you to rise to the top. Well, pastor, do you have any Bible for that? Oh, yeah, I do. A man's gift will make room for him and bring him, what? Before great men. So if you are mastering your gift, if you are polishing and sharpening your sword, God knows exactly how to get you at the right place at the right time to shake the right hands. Let me keep moving just for a few moments here. And so let's look at these three words, excellence, because oftentimes I think we confuse excellence with effectiveness or efficiency. And I want to I help some of you out because I struggle personally with excellence. Because I think that excellence is the ultimate thing. And, and sometimes you can confuse excellence with perfection. And they're two different things. Let me say it this way. First of all, and here's a couple of quotes again. On the church app, you'll be able to see these quotes. And you can copy and paste it like I do all the time, right? So listen closely. Efficiency is doing things right. But effectiveness is doing the right things. You could be spending a whole lot of time doing things right, but are you spending your life doing the right things? Effectiveness. That's Peter Drucker, by the way. Uh, efficiency is the foundation for survival, but effectiveness is the foundation for success. Are we doing just enough to survive? Are we doing just enough to pay the bills? Are we doing just enough to keep our heads aflog? 
That's efficiency. But effectiveness, right? We're going back to the spirit of excellence is to do this, the foundation for success. That's John Maxwell. Efficiency is no longer enough when excellence is understood. I'm looking at a body of people today who would change this city. As Mother Jesse heads to Kenya, and then I think you said Rwanda afterwards, here's a woman who loves Jesus, who's given her heart to missions and ministry. She didn't have to go anywhere. She didn't want to. But who would have thought? Who would have thought? She's planted. She's planted in the house of God. God made her a promise. If you be planted, I'll cause you to flourish even, I didn't say old, I didn't say old, but in your older, older days, all right? Stay with me, right? right? But, but she understands efficiency is no longer enough when excellence is understood. May I help everyone when I say this, because I'm helping myself out when I say this. Whereas perfection is a final destination, excellence is a journey. You may want to write that one down. I'm going to give you time to put that one in your notes on your phone. If you don't have a pencil and pen like we did in the old days, I'm going to give you some time to put that one in your phone, okay? Because if I were me and I was there, I'd pull my phone, I'd pull out my little note section and say, mm, let me go and grab that one right there, right? Excellent, excuse me, perfection is a final destination. Let's look at the 1972 uh, Miami Dolphins. Can you imagine that? With the billions of dollars the NFL has, billions, by the way, with all of the athletes and, I don't know, just all of the high-octane, high-worth coaches and administrators and executives and all of these tremendously five-star, six-star blue-chip players, isn't it amazing that no team to this date has experienced the destination of perfection? So every year, when a team that's non-undefeated loses the first game, they throw a party down in Miami. Because since 1972, so we're talking about 50 years, 50 years, there's not been a perfection team in that league. Maybe one day, but at least right now, it's not. Why? Because perfection is the final destination. But excellence is a journey. Excellence is a journey. I was sharing with Minister Herb coming in today. Man, I can't wait till the walls are painted, but even when we paint the walls, it's, we're not there. I can't wait till the roof as we drop a ceiling or paint the roof black. What are we going to do? Be great, but we're not there. We're on a journey. We will not be perfect here, but we can cre create an attitude of excellence because even when all this is done, we, we, we still have a video wall and we still got missions and we've got event planning and we had a great meeting Tuesday night, by the way, with the community events planning and we can't wait to roll our sleeves up and partner with people in the community because it can't be all about paint and ceilings and video walls that's great and we need all of that and we want to be very competitive when it comes to being state-of-the-art you know I do but when it comes to that what would all that be worth if we can't partner and feed the hungry what would all what would our time together be worth because if not, we'll become real big fat Sadducees and Pharisees who get fat on the word and get bloated uh, on Sunday morning spiritually and we have nowhere to produce or to give out or exercise our spiritual prowesses. So excellence is the journey. It's an ongoing journey. I, 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 I almost said I, I'm, I'm almost finished, but that would not be true. Uh, <laughs> hold tight, here we go. Um, so, 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 so 
Excellence is the unlimited ability to improve the quality of what you have to offer. I think I'm going to stay in that, that vein one more moment. Excellence is the unlimited ability to improve what you're already offering. Let me pause for a moment. What are you offering right now? And we don't need any verbal comments right now, but just think about it. In your line of work, in your trade, whatever you do right now for a living, what do you offer right now? And maybe we need to ask ourselves the question, not can it be improved, how can it be improved? Okay, how can it be improved? And then we'll ask ourselves the question, what will it take? Now remember now, we all want to be promoted. We all want some sense of affirmation, some sense of success, some sense of promotion. If not, I think you're in the wrong room. Ultimately, we want to be promoted to heaven. But while we remain in the earth, we like affirmation and success and promotion. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and kill that one and just go ahead and deal with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But what am I doing and what do I offer? And is there any room for improvement? Everybody okay so far? So with that being said, I am about halfway finished here. Um, how do I operate with the spirit excellence? Let me give you three things. Number one, you got to have a desire. You got to have a desire to be excellent in everything you do. You have to start with a desire. If you have cashed out, if you've tapped out, if you no longer want to improve, conversation's over with. You can get your pocketbook, get your Bible, and go on home. Because there's nothing else more I can tell you. If you made your, up your mind that I am fine with average, because realize average inspires no one. You are the top of the bottom, and you are the bottom of the top, and you inspire no one. You have to at least have the will, have the desire. Today, as, excuse me, this weekend as we celebrate the late Dr. Martin Luther King, and I pray that you do something to celebrate. I pray you do something to honor the legacy and the leadership and the life of that great man. Understand, there was a spirit of excellence that drove him the extra mile. You know, they say that the extra mile is often the loneliest road you'll ever travel. The extra mile is often the loneliest road you'll ever travel. Very few people will go the extra mile. Number two, be determined to be uniquely different. Be determined to be uniquely different. You know, Daniel, the Bible says in chapter one, verse eight, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine that they drank. Therefore, he requested to the chief of the unit that he would not defile himself. Now, we, we, we often have this argument in the church. Was it a 21-day fast or was it a 10-day fast? Well, it was both. In chapter 1, he did a 10-day, what we call Daniel's fast. But in chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 10, it was a 21-day. In both occasions, the Bible says he purposed. He purposed. He purposed himself. Friends, you got to be determined. You're going to have to be purpose. I told my sons all the time, listen, you got to separate yourself when it comes to whatever it is that you want to achieve on the football field, whatever it is you want to achieve in the sports, or whatever you want to do. you got to separate yourself from the crowd because there's a lot of people who run fast. There's a lot of people who lift weights. There's a lot of people who can do what you do. But how would you separate yourself? If you are a realtor, right, if you're a doctor, if you're a dentist, if you are um, a, a, a stay-at-home mom, how do you separate yourself from the pack to do what you do? Right? Number three, real quick, I'm almost finished. Do what others simply don't have the courage, the conviction, or the commitment to do. Do what others don't have the courage to do, they don't have the conviction to do, or they don't have the commitment to do. That's how you separate yourself. That's how you distinguish yourself. Number one, Daniel did it through prayer. And I'm finding a way to close this message. Daniel did it through prayer. We cannot afford to become a prayerless church. I don't care if we have the perfect location. 
I don't care if we got the greatest praise team in the music department in the world, if you got the best looking pastor and the first lady in the world, doesn't matter, my God, if we got the best budget and business expense in the world, all those things in the kingdom don't mean a hill of beans. We must be a people who have given ourselves to prayer. I will say this in honest admission. We know a lot about Daniel when it comes to the excellent spirit. We know a lot about the lion's den. I almost made a mistake yesterday and, and preached a message uh, to you all today. Yeah, child. Man, when Daniel was in that fiery furnace, man, I'm telling you, man. How, oh, okay. How many of y'all remember Daniel in the fiery furnace? Everybody remember Daniel? You better not put your hand up. Because, say, I was, I was going to preach it today. Yeah, he was in a fiery furnace. Now, that account is in the book of Daniel. But Daniel wasn't in no fiery furnace. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fourth. This Bible says the fourth was not Daniel. It would look like the son of God. But if you don't read your Bible, you just, now see, had I not told you all that, y'all would be, yeah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Daniel was in that fire. I'm tired to tell you, man, it didn't touch his head. Not a smoke, a stench of smoke was on his body. He wasn't in the fiery furnace. Right? I'm just trying to tell y'all. Look, somebody over there now looking at the Bible. He ain't. Let me wait a minute now. What did the pastor say? Okay. But the reality is, what we do often overlook is this. He was a man of prayer. If you ever, not if, excuse me, forgive me, Lord. I'm talking to really spiritual, anointed people. When you read the book of Daniel, my God, look how he pours his heart out in prayer to God as he repents for the nation. Right? I'm going to share a couple of things with you that I pray that encourage you. I'm just going to read these. Daniel 6 and 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Listen, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees, not one, not two, three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as it was his custom in those days. I think you know me. You're ready to go with this. Do we still get on our knees and pray when we pray? I know it's convenient to pray you on Facebook at the same time. And I know we can pray and walk and pray and treadmill and pray while we're in traffic and pray while we're on the job. But is there any designated space, designated time? Is there any prayer wall or room or anything designated for God that he don't have to share with nobody else but you? Three times a day, he prayed. And he didn't mind getting into the posture of humility and in prayer as humble servant before the Lord. He wasn't too grand, too great to where he couldn't humble himself. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of, of, of Jesus. The Bible says, Mark 1, 35, and in the morning have arisen long before daylight, he went out to depart to a solitary place. And there, Jesus prayed. If anyone needs to pray, it's me. It's you. It's us. Because we want to be different, determined. We want to distinguish ourselves in this season. Notice what the Bible says in Daniel 9, 3. And I set my face toward the Lord and made requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God. Daniel understood the power of prayer. I got two more things and I'll close. But let's stay here right on. Let's stay on prayer for a moment. Because I need to remind some of you right now about prayer. And please hear me when I say this. I read something in Daniel that just totally caused my... It, it, it totally excited me about the hour we're now living in. And it's found in Daniel 9, verse 20. Notice, and just listen closely. Daniel writes and says this. Now, while I was speaking, 
while I was praying, while I was confessing my sins and the sins of my people of Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God and on, on the holy mountain of God. Yes, while I was in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, he and caused to fly swiftly. He reached out to me by the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and he talked with me and he said, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skills to understand. At the beginning of your prayer, at the beginning of your supplication, and before you even came out your mouth, I had come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, and therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. Daniel said this, before the sun went down on the very day I started to pray, Gabriel, why is this important to you and me? Because God knew before you made up in your mind that I was going to set my face to pray. God had already given Gabriel an angel an assignment to speak wisdom, to speak vision, and to speak direction concerning the matter. Now, I don't know what your matter is. Could be your marriage. Could be your money. Could be your mindset. Could be a child or a grandchild. Whatever you got going before God, you make up your mind to pray. God says, I've already got an angel on the way. And when Gabriel gets on the scene, my y'all don't want to talk to me today. When Gabriel comes on the scene, he ain't about to sit down and eat pork rinds and drink a bottle of Dr. Pepper. He's going to give you the word of God, and he is going to give you instruction. This is why when you pray, come on, somebody say with me, when I pray, come on. When I pray, when you pray, God will speak through the Holy Spirit. He will give you wisdom. He'll give you instruction. He'll even confirm what was already in your heart. If you would only trust the Lord, he will give you something right for that moment and right for that hour. Number two, Daniel purposed himself. He purposed himself. Let's stay in Daniel 10, 12. And then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Imagine that. Can you envision the Lord speaking to you? Can you imagine an angel from heaven telling you the minute you set your face to fasting, the minute you set your, made up your mind that you were going to pray, God heard everything that was going on. The Bible says, I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes of the archangel, came to help me, for I was left alone there with the king of Persia. But now I have come to make you understand what the will, excuse me. What will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days to come. Once again, I always want to make sure that we look at the life and the lordship of Jesus, even from the Old Testament. The Bible says, Mark 1, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus said, let us go to the next towns for, for I may preach there also before this, because of this purpose, I have come. So number one, Daniel prays, all right? Number two, he purposes himself. He purposes himself. Friends, I'm almost finished, but I need, I need to leave this with you. I have to leave this with you. What are you purposing yourself to do? In 2023, you got to cut the clutter, kill the distraction, learn how to say no to some things, and find your purpose of why you're in the earth. Most of us have lived longer than we're going to live. We're on the second half of this chapter. And for many of us, our days aren't, they aren't, they aren't as extended as we would like for them to be. We now live in the majority of having friends and family who 
are struggle with illnesses and sicknesses and hospitalizations and unfortunately people have passed away and died and there's always that yet eerie reminder that time is short and we better find out what it is that God wants us to do and get with it and do it fast because the reality is tomorrow nobody is promised anything he prayed he purposed last he positioned he positioned and so that being said, chapter 1, verse 12, Daniel said, please test your servants for 10 days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink and let our parents be examined before you. And the parents of the young men who ate the king's delicacies and, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. And so, the, so he consented, the Bible says to them in this matter, and they tested them for 10 days. Sometimes you just got to go on a time of consecration and say, God, I'm going for you. I'm pinning my ears back. I'm going to square my shoulders and I'm going to seek your face, seek your face, seek your face. That's what the Lord's been speaking to me these last few weeks is seek my face. It's one thing to pray and one thing to go through the formalities and one thing to have devotion and Bible studies. But are you, are you seeking, seeking my face, my counsel, my will, seeking? And, and, and that's, that's, that's the oil of our church in this season. Let's seek the Lord. We find out in chapter 10, verse 2, in those days I mourned three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, meat, wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all until three full weeks had fulfilled. And so he fasted, he prayed. I'm going to take this last few minutes to, to, to encourage every one of you all to seek the Lord during this time of consecration. Separate yourselves. Be determined to be great, to be anointed. Be determined to, to, to have an excellent spirit upon you. For whatever reason, one, for one it was 10 days. For somebody else, it was 21 days. For somebody else, it may be a certain modification here or modification there. But set your heart, make up your mind that I'm not going to be sluggish or lazy or apathetic in this season. But I'm going to be like Daniel. I'm going to purpose in my heart. And an excellent spirit was in him. Some of the benefits of fasting and prayer together, is it brings greater degree of humility and attitude of serving. It brings freedom from oppression and the bondage of sin. Christ's passion for the lost and the least of these increase in your life. Spiritual and physical healing comes from God when you fast. Obviously, there's a time of greater answered prayer. Specific instructions and directions and guidance from God. And then there's favor that comes from the Lord. We see that in Daniel 1 and 9. The Bible says that God gave Daniel favor, favor from the Lord. Jesus goes on to say, listen, when you fast, here's what you do. Don't be like the sun, don't look somber and look like the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces and they show men that they're fasting, Matthew 6, 16. But I tell you, put oil on your head and wash your face and so that, so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you openly. And the Bible says in Daniel eleven thirty two, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. My brothers and sisters today, may an excellent spirit reside in you. You don't have to have a certain pedigree, a certain lineage or background. You may not have the biggest degree hanging on the wall at home. You may not have the most fanciest resume or vita. But let me tell you right now, God sends, he, he levels the playing field. And he is the ultimate equilibrium. And he says to you right now, if you're willing to separate yourself, position, purpose in your heart, give yourselves a prayer. 
My God, I'll put an excellent spirit in you and you'll rise to the top every time. No matter your industry, no matter your background, no matter your skill sets, your hobbies, your gifts, no matter what you got going on in your life, I'll cause you to rise to the top. It is God's proven path to prosperity and promotion. It's an excellent spirit. I believe that the impact that this church will make in this community, it won't be because of the teaching and preaching. It won't be because of the music. It won't be because of the location. But the people had an excellent spirit in them. So no matter what you do, if you're going to be an usher, be an usher of excellence. You're going to be a greeter. You're going to sing, parking, teaching, youth, whatever it is, outreach, events planning, logistics, whatever it may be, do it. Remember, it's not a destination. That's perfection. But excellence is a journey. Every week, every day, I'm finding a way to please the Lord and to honor him. Would you stand to your feet? As we honor the Lord this morning, may we honor him in the excellence of worship, the excellence of our time. I am so convinced that God has us exactly where he wants us to be. And if you're willing to look past the construction zone and the renovation projects, if you're willing to look past all of the incompletions and all of the temporary things, the Bible says that the things that are temporary, don't look at them. The things that are eternal, focus on those things. And God gives us a spirit of excellence in all that we do. And I believe not only will it bless you, it will bless your household. In turn, the church will go up and be the very best it can be. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My ask today, my ask today is that I ask you to recommit your life to giving God the best. He doesn't deserve our leftovers. He doesn't deserve our tiredness and our exhaustion. He does not deserve our excuses, our apathy. He deserves our very best. And for whatever reason, this Daniel, this, this, this exile in Babylon, he had this spirit in him that caused him to do extraordinary things. And because of that, the king promoted him to the whole region. And Father, I just speak promotion over the lives of each and every man and woman under the sound of my voice. I decree and declare promotion for those that are online, that are listening and attentive. And may their faith be set in motion. And even today, Father, we thank you for people giving themselves to prayer. My hallelujah. People giving themselves to purpose. Giving ourselves to being positioned for your kingdom. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I can lead you to prayer, but there comes a moment where you got to pray for yourself. And I'm just going to ask that you take these few moments as we just stand before the Lord and just cry out to God. And I don't know how this fits in your frame, but, 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 but my encouragement and my leadership is that you just find yourself with humility and maybe a sense of brokenness. Not my will, but thy will be done. Father, that we just commit our church to you for every pastor, every elder, every leader, every layperson, from the young to the old, from the new to the old, uh, 
Father, we just, as a, as a people, Father, we know that you've done it before and you'll do it again. You said, behold, the former and the latter, but the latter will be greater than the former. We thank you, thou God, God, that you're pouring out your spirit on all flesh, that sons and daughters would prophesy, that you would pour out your anointing and you'd raise up men and women oh god with a spirit of excellence upon them father we just give you god back we give back to you god our lives our our our, our everything we give you our commitment our courage our conviction and father we bless you even now even now as we seek your face as we consecrate before you that lord that you god who sits high would look low and thank you that you will reward you will promote you will exalt and god that you will be glorified in everything we say and do i just want you to take a moment right where you're standing and just find an opportunity to pray to the lord and i'm going to pray with you as we just go to the house or go to the throne of god the bible says that we can boldly come to the throne of grace that we would obtain favor that we would obtain help in a time of need hallelujah thank you lord Thank you, Jesus. Position, purpose, prayer. May we be a people who desire. May we be a people who have courage and conviction. May we be a people determined to be different. Come on, lift those hands to the Lord if you can. Just only if you can, just lift those hands. And let's just pray this prayer together. Father, I receive your word today. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. I receive right now the spirit of excellence that I may do your will, that I may honor you, that you will be glorified, that you will be pleased in everything that I do. I commit to you today with conviction and courage and commitment to be excellent before you. Here are my hands. I give them to you. Here's my heart. I give it to you. Father, I bless you now in the name of your son, Jesus, that you be so honored in Christ's name. Amen.